All right, Trophy Kids, we are back for another NFL betting board breakdown. This is a good one. Last week we went 5-0 and in the bets we placed. We're talking once again about every single game, giving out our leans, but then more importantly, giving out the games we are betting, and we're talking about all the big trade news. So, let's go. And welcome to Trophy Kids, presented by Bad News Media. It is November 4th. And woof, we've had a big week in the NFL. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Michael. How are we doing today, good sir? I am doing swell today. How are you? Doing great. I um, I was thinking about it. I don't know if I've... The NFL trade line... I mean, NBA trade deadline and free agency oh, is always yeah. crazy. I don't feel like the NFL one is usually too meaningful. Like Maybe a team here and there making a move. A lot of activity this week as the trade deadline approached and some big talk going around. <laughs> a lot of activity and a lot of, like, quiet activity i didn't even know what happened until i was like looking at my review like calvin ridley got traded oh like, what yeah <laughs> i mean obviously he, he's not gonna play because heaven forbid he got excited for some dfs sweats um but you know we'll see, <laughs> we'll see deshaun watson in a couple of weeks go figure yeah. um but but yeah like tiny little trades there's something like something like 20, 27 trades happened usually it's like three yeah and usually Crazy. nothing like major but we had teams going yeah. all in like the miami dolphins we had teams like the bears some some people think it's a head-scratching win. I actually think it's a, a win, or I should say a head-scratching decision, but I think it's sort of a win for them. Um, I like the move. I guess let's start there in the Clay Chase pull move. I personally like it because when you look at the free agent, like Bears have a ton of free agent money that they're going to be able to spend this year, but the free agency class isn't very great, and so you're either going to have to try to evaluate a guy that you haven't had in your locker room and overpay there, or... Yeah, you give up a second-round pick, and we've seen really hot wide receiver commodities go in the second round, but this gives you a chance to get the guy in the building, see if he can develop chemistry with Justin Fields, evaluate him before potentially opening a checkbook for him, and get a wide receiver. So I kind of like it from just the pure evaluation process. And then if you don't think it's a good move, then you don't sign him, and then at least you're not carrying some big contract for some guy for multiple years, and all you did was lose a second-round pick. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Um I like, and like you said, the, the free agent class, ooh, it's bad. I saw a list the other day. I mean, they're just reaching to, to put people on the list. They have Cam <laughs> Sims from the Commanders on there. And Cam yeah. Sims, I think, has like four grabs. He's not a big-time free agent. So, yeah, I like it. Um, and just just within even these past two, three weeks, I kind of like this little bit that I've seen out of fields. He seems to just be getting more confident. I like what I saw them, how they played against I mean, they obviously lost, but – I kind of like how that offense looked against Dallas last week. So, yeah, I, I like the move. Yeah, I, I agree. Dustin Fields has quietly been putting together, you know, week by week, getting a little better and a little better, which is good because the, the start to his season was rough. <laughs> and so, yeah, I do like the weapon because right now, Darnell Mooney's your guy, and he is not a number one. And Clay Chapel showed, uh, Chase Claypool showed a lot of flash in his first year. It's sort of died off a little bit, but that's to be expected when you look into context of the Steelers. So I like the move. You're giving up a second-round pick to evaluate a guy to potentially sign him to a longer deal. I think it's a smart move. And then Rokon Swift, moving him to the Ravens, I think that's a win-win for both these teams. He's an off-the-ball linebacker. The Bears aren't going to want to pay him a ton of money. But he fits into what the Ravens need and what they want to do. And so I think it's sort of a win-win for both teams. That was another good move for the Bears to get more capital to do because they are in a complete rebuild. And for the Ravens, who are signaling they got to be all in this year and going out and get a good linebacker who's off the ball, though. Yeah, I think it's definitely a good move. Um, the biggest weakness on that Ravens defense was the linebacking position, so they did that. It's a win-win for them. I think it's a win-win for Roquan. Now he's not a playoff contender, um, so that's good for him. 
Um, yeah, and then we're, I mean, just wait, wait till this offseason comes. If the Bears want to be aggressive, look out because they have so much money to play with. So, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see what they do, just see if players are attracted to going to teams like that. We see so many players now kind of go this NBA route where they're almost building super teams. I don't know if the Bears will be able to do that, but they have a lot of money to mess with. They're going to have a lot of money and some picks to play with, which is nice. The one trade that made no sense to me. Zero sense for the team that dealt him. Ton of sense for the team that got him. TJ Hawkinson. I do not know why the Lions dealt this man. This man is a top-tier tight end. Makes all the sense in the world for the Vikings who just lose Irvin Smith Jr. Um, and need a tight end replacement, an offense that's going all in this year. He fits perfectly into their structure. But for the Lions, he's arguably your best piece on offense. And you're not that far off from having a very competent offense. You just need to get the quarterback position straight away because you have a great offensive line. You had a great good tight end. You've got decent weapons around the wide receiver core. Not something fantastic, but you've got a receiving core that's young and, and growing, and you add another piece, that's good. And a running back room, that's good. I just don't understand the piece to ship him off. It, it feels very short-sighted and not long-term. Yeah, I was kind of surprised by that, too. I mean, he's one of he's a top tight end in a league that, I mean, there's a big drop-off in tight ends in the NFL. And, I mean, you looked at last season. Um, I mean, before, you know, Amon Ra came on. It might have been more two years ago. Actually, yeah, I think it was two years ago. He was their only piece on offense. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I was surprised by that. I mean, he was number eight overall pick. I mean, they invested serious into him. So yeah, I was very surprised by that. And yeah, going over to the Vikings though, I, I love that move for them. So I like it how they did it. Um, they're obviously being aggressive. They see they're six and one, let's go for it. But yeah, I don't really understand what Detroit was doing there. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't understand it at all. Like it's, it, it just doesn't make sense for a team that's like, offensively, you're not that far off for being a super competitive team offensively. Like, if you get the quarterback position figured out, that becomes a good offense in this league. Now, you got to figure out yeah. the defense, and you're a while away from being a really competitive team overall, but offensively, like, it, it just doesn't make sense. And we know offense correlates more to wins losses in this league at this point. So, And we know the difference. The teams that are really good and play at a high level – they all have one thing in common. They get high-level production out of the tight end position. So I just I don't understand it, to say the least. The one move I do understand as far as why they made it, because they believe they're all in, I don't think this is going to be their year, the Miami Dolphins. Do you think they're good enough to be going all in? I get why their sentiment is, because they're sitting here going, we haven't lost a game when two has started, and we're playing super effective football, so let's go all in. But from an outsider's perspective, feels like they're off this year. Yeah, I don't think, you know, I think they're a fun team. They're probably, they're possibly a, a wild card team. I don't see them winning that division, no chance. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I kind of, well, when you look at what they have done and like, you know, they turn basically a bunch of draft picks into, you know, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Bradley Chubb. I mean, I kind of like what they're doing, but I don't necessarily think this makes them still a legit, like, Super Bowl contender. I, I'm getting kind of concerned about just kind of the way their offenses run. How good is that going to correlate in, you know, in January? I don't know. Um, so yeah, I, I, I kind of like what they're doing, but I don't think the moves they've made have turned them into contenders yet. You know, bringing in Bradley Chubb. Yeah. Like I, it, it, it's tough for me because it's also like, then you sign him to an extension. So you've paid him. You've got a lot of guys you're going to have to pay. It oh, yeah. feels odd. I get it, the sentiment, because they're not able to generate a lot of pressure without blitzing. And the two behemoths in the AFC 
Josh Allen and the Bills and Patrick Mahomes and the Chief, those offenses tear you to shred when you have high blitz rates. So I get the sentiment. We want to beef up our line, get more natural pressure. We're going all in. But then the problem is you then had to sign him, which you did, and you've now paid him his money, and you've got a lot of guys coming up in the next couple of years that are going to need to get paid. So yeah. to keep this core together, it felt like, I don't know, it just it sort of felt unnecessary, but it is. I also kind of like the, the attitude of like, fuck it, we're risking it, we're betting on this team, let's go all in. Yeah, yeah, I like it. It's a risk. All right, anything else before we move on to games this week? No, no, I think we covered it pretty well. We did ourselves a hell of a job last week. And the games we gave out at the end of the podcast for games we were betting, a nice 5-0. and oh. So ah. there we go. And our biggest don't overthink it Titans bet, never had a doubt. Didn't overthink it, placed yeah. it, beautiful. Placed oh. it and move on. Yep, placed it and move on. Like always, we'll go through each game this week, give out our leans, give out the teams we're actually betting. If you are not familiar, make sure you're on, on Trophy Kids at Trophy Kids Podcast on both Instagram and Twitter to be getting additional picks and content. There is a new segment we've been running, and it is four and one. Should be five and one or five and zero, oh, but it is four and one, unfortunately. So let's go Thursday night. We're recording this Thursday night. Not going to spend a whole lot on this, but this game has ballooned up. I did get the look ahead number. It's now at fourteen. My simple question is: We're, we're time traveling here because this is coming out on Friday. Do we think the Texans even have a chance in hell on holding on to a fourteen point spread? <laughs> It seems hard. I mean, they're so bad, and the Eagles are so good, and it's just, you know, it's you know, primetime Amazon game. Um, I don't know. It's tough. I, mean, I probably want banners because it's such a massive spread, but I, I kind of think they probably can't. <laughs> I just don't see a way that this happens. I just, the way that they're running that offense right now for the Eagles and the matchups they're going to be getting at this against this Texas team, I just I don't see any way possible. So I'm glad I got the look-ahead number because I got it under 10, and it's now up yeah. to 14. But I, it's just, that's a train wreck waiting to happen. All right, let's yeah. move on to the first meaningful game, Pats versus Colts. Pats are four-and-a-half-point favorites, over-under 40-and-a-half. Patriots played themselves a good game. It was, our, it was my hot bet of the week last week. They are going to play the Indianapolis Colts here. Do the Pats have enough juice to cover a four and a half point spread? I like it better at three, but a four and a half, I always hate that number. It always sticks out like a sore, sore thumb there. What do you make of that? I'm with you. It's tough. Um, obviously, I just watched this Colts team. I mean, Sam Ellinger, he's got he's got some moxie to him, but it's, he's not ready yet, obviously. That's clear. Um, I think this Colts team is kind of low-key tanking, um, but I'd probably go with the Pats here just because I think this indie team's going over to New England. I know something we've been kind of questioning that coaching staff in New England a little bit, but Bill does seem to always uh, do pretty well against these, these, these quarterbacks that are lacking in experience. So I'd probably go with the Patriots to cover here, but this, I don't know if this is going to be a game that I play just because it's so boring. It's so shitty to me. <laughs> yeah. I'm not playing this game. Um, I don't have a bet on this one, not doing it. Um, but it is a, it's an interesting game because the Patriots, I don't fully know like what to make of them as far as how this season's going to finish for them. They, they're an odd team, but the one thing I do know is Stevenson, the running back, is slowly becoming an absolute monster. Every week I watch him, I become more and more impressed with his ability to run the football. Because every week I'm like, eh, he'll probably have a couple good carries, but he'll die off. His stamina won't stay up. And man, this dude is running the football hard and well right now. 
Yeah, he really is. And they're just going to keep feeding him because he's pretty much the uh, only person they can feed right now. <laughs> this is very true. This is very true. All right. Bills Jets over under 46.5. Bills are an 11.5 point favorite. This game presents some fun ones because <laughs> this could be an epic disaster. Or it could be relatively close. And I think it comes down to two factors. Do you believe the Jets' defense is as good as they are being sort of propped up to be? And can Zach Wilson not be Zach Wilson and finally play within the constructs of this offense? So I, I do think the Jets do have a pretty pretty solid defense over there. I think it's pretty good. But I also don't think that Zach Wilson is going to be able to uh, to be able to carry them and to honestly be able to keep them within this 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 range here, just because. I don't think they can score enough points. They can't control the ball like they were able to, obviously not having Brees Hall anymore. Um, yeah, I, I just don't. You, you got wide receivers over there that are making hilarious quotes. He's just like, I don't know why I'm not getting the ball. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what's wrong. I don't get the ball. I forget how the quote went, but it was funny. Um, <laughs> we'll throw it yeah. up in the video. Yeah, yeah. But um, so, yeah, I, I just don't trust them here to be able to cover this. Um, I do think that that defense is pretty legit, but just, I don't think they're going to score more than 14 points because I think the Bills have themselves a pretty solid defense, too. Yeah. it's Zach Wilson is kind of a head-scratcher at this point for me because it seems like a relatively simple fix. Don't hang on to the ball for a fucking millennium. Like, he, has, he is holding on to the ball longer than any quarterback in the NFL. And you can see a stark difference between the snaps in which he gets the ball off quickly. They were more efficient offensively. He doesn't tend to turn over as much compared to when he holds on for it forever. And it goes back to like, and I get it, it's hard because in college, that was his MO. It was, let me run around all over the place, look for the big play, wing it downfield, and we're going to score. But that doesn't translate to the NFL unless you were ultra gifted. And he's not. He's gifted. He has the talent to be a good quarterback in the NFL. He's got a good arm. He's athletic. It's between the years where he's messing up. And I don't know how the Jets offensive staff doesn't just sit him down and be like, Get rid of it. Stop holding on to this. I also don't get why they're not scheming up for more and more plays. Like, why are we not throwing more wide receiver screens, quick slants to get him out in the open field? Because we've seen when he gets out there, he's a monster in the open field. And it's like that helps both guys. It just, offensively, it just feels lost. And if he can't get it together quickly, I think we have our answer that, like, you are what's holding back this young team. Yeah, it, it, it's concerning um, kind of where they are right now and how they, you know, they do have, what do they have, five wins already? They have yeah. five wins, so they're kind of winning themselves out of <laughs> a replacement for him. Yeah. So I see him being back next year as a starter, but I do not see him starting his fourth season in the NFL, at least as of now. My thing is when, when the quarterback hangs on to the ball too long, in my opinion, part of that is they're not reading the defense, and that's why they're hanging on to the ball for so long. Carson Wentz do it obviously a lot um so yeah that that's a concerning thing and I think you can only teach quarterbacks how to read a defense to a certain extent I, I think that's kind of something that is almost like naturally there as well I think it's like half and half yeah the game just gets too fast at the NFL level it happens to a lot of dudes yeah. and I think that's what we're seeing with Zach Wilson and he's just not able to comprehend it at this point because I think the talent's there to be a very good quarterback it's once again just in his brain he's just not he's not playing well um, and that's why I, I just I think the Bills can cover this number. I bet them right away at the look along or look ahead. So I got them at ten and a half. It's now up to eleven and a half. I like ten and a half a lot better. 
I did bet him at ten and a half to uh, ten and a half. So if that number creeps back down, I think it's you can pull the trigger. But at eleven and a half, I'm probably just gonna stay with it, stay away from it, just on the off chance. Zach Wilson somehow gets it together for this game, plays a, a higher level ball, but those are my takes on that. Dolphins yeah. Bears. Bradley Chubb doesn't get a or Bradley Chubb is going to get his first debut against an offensive line that is struggling in the Chicago Bears. And against a quarterback that, like we said, has been slowly progressing better and better each week, but still gonna looking to probably struggle in this game. Dolphins are four and a half favorite, over under 45 and a half. Can the Bears piece enough together here to stay within this number? Or is this a game where Miami's offense, as explosive they are, just kind of takes over, makes some big plays, takes the air out of the ball, and then just lets their defense go to town on, on Justin Fields? Um, I, I kind of think it's, it's the latter there. Um, I think Miami just – I do think that they're so explosive. Tyreek Hill, he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. Oh, my God. Uh, he's unbelievable. He's very quietly going to – He's on pace to break the single season record. Obviously that extra game helps, um, but he is putting together a ridiculous season. And then on the other side, you have Waddle who also is putting together just an insane season himself. Um, I do. I'm curious about them bringing in Jeff Wilson. I, I do like that move they made. Obviously, um, you know, there's a coaching connection there. It's, you know, I'm spacing. I space on coaches names all the time now. Mike he McDonald's. came from, there it is. He came from San Francisco. So, yep. you know, there's a connection there. Um, yeah, so I like Miami here, but like you said, and like we mentioned earlier, I do. I think Justin Fields, these last couple of weeks, he's just shown to be a bit more of a baller out there, running around more, using his legs more. I, I think this, you know, the, the offensive coordinator there needs to, you know, start to call some designed runs, maybe. Yeah. Um, and then, then here's one other thing about the Bears. I'm kind of out on David Montgomery. I'm more of a Khalil Herbert guy. Yep. I would give Herbert way more of the bulk of the work um, than David Montgomery. But, you know, I, I just sit on my couch and notice these things. So what do I know? This is the, the same thing we've been talking about with Dallas. I mean, we said it last week. We're going to get the yeah. full Tony Pollard show. I think at that point you can put the nail in the coffin like he is the better back. We saw that. Same thing here with the Bears. David Montgomery's a fine back at this point, but he's not the more explosive, comprehensive back. He is the number two back. And Herbert's a guy that... I was very high on coming out of the draft. I didn't think he would hit as well as he's hitting. I thought he'd just be a very val nice, valuable piece that you could rotate in and out. He has shown he's a RB1 in this league, and especially yeah. for the Bears. I'm 100% with you. Same situation down in, in Dallas. Um, don't know what Jerry's doing there, but that's Jerry's <laughs> world. We'll let him be. Um, he gets to play in Jerry's <laughs> role for as long as he wants. Um, but I'm with you. The Justin Fields thing, too, and that's something we brought up on this show a couple weeks ago why they weren't doing more design runs. How could you not be using this guy's legs? He has shown that when he uses that dual threat ability, his game elevates, and that's the mm. thing that gives him the edge. And they, they finally seem to be like, oh, maybe we should use this guy's legs. And it's like, yeah, good job there. Glad it took us this far into the season for you to figure that out. A guy who was that talented in college and was like, when he uses his legs, he becomes one of the best college. That's why you drafted him. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it does make this game dangerous. It makes it interesting. An over might be a reasonable take here, I think, at this point. Um, I think we could be in for yeah. some explosive plays here. I like the over. Oh, yep. yeah. I like the over. 45 and a half. What do you think about, do you think at this point, Tyreek Hill and Waddle are the best duo right now from a wide receiver position? There's a couple out there, but do you think they're the best? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I I've been going through my head, and I was like, I saw this question posed on on TikTok earlier, and the group that posed it somehow left off 
AJ Brown and Devontae Smith as the like they gave out a ton of examples and they forgot uh-huh. that pair and I was like, come on now. We're giving out Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen it just no, eliminates that already. But we're forgetting yeah, AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, no, the, the the Vikings duo, Adam Thielen, great career, but you're no longer no. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I think the Hill and Waddle at this point, as I go oh, yeah. through the NFL, are probably the best duo pair right now. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. It's better than Chase and Higgins. Yeah, yeah. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin better, better than Justin Jefferson, Thielen better than A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, even though that's a very good duo. Um, There are tons of duos we're forgetting. I mean, when you have, I mean, with the exception of maybe Justin Jefferson, but when you have Tyreek Hill, who's the best wide receiver in the NFL, that's going to be kind of your winner automatically if you have (laughs) another guy who can get, 1200 yards and take the top off the defense so yeah yes absolutely all right this is a line that if you had told me coming into the season this would be where this line is set at i would have said you're out of your damn mind but here we are the lonely packers they forgot you have to have talent on the field you can't have joe Schmo from the corner store playing wide receiver you gotta actually bring in some talent this line against the Detroit Lions, three and a half. Packers are the favorite over under 49 and a half. Shocking line. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. I know the Packers were in on the Chase Claypool sweepstakes, and they should have been. Um, so, But obviously, they did not get him there. This is going to be a game where it's like, if the Packers can't score here, um, <laughs> you might as well just chuck the season, just say to hell with it, because... Everyone is scoring on the Lions, um, so it's going to be a big test here. But I will say, if you give me a hook, three and a half, yeah, give me the Lions here because I just don't see the Packers winning games, definitely not winning games comfortably. So, yeah, give me the Lions here plus three and a half. I think, you know, they can probably keep up with the Packers scoring, what, 17 points. So, yeah, give me that. <laughs> I'm 100% with you. If If the Packers can't score here – Aaron Rodgers might have to pull an entourage move and get the group to go to Joshua Tree and take some shrooms to figure out what's going on and what's next because things yeah. are bad in Green Bay. Yeah, I'm with you. They, they better score here. Oh, my God. It's terrible. I mean, it, it's a mixture of everything. It's a, a mixture, I think, of not trusting the system, the system not being very good right now, just not having athletes, offensive line having struggle. I mean, we've talked about David Bakhtiari not being able to stay healthy. It's just an absolute train wreck um, in Green Bay. But I'm with you. I I think that's sweet and simple. I don't really have much else to add uh, to that evaluation. Let's talk Vikings Commanders, a game that has gotten more and more interesting due to a number of variables. I think the elephant in the room is Dan Snyder sought B of A's help to potentially sell the team or at least a piece of a team, and I have to imagine you're ecstatic. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I've been smiling all show. I've been smiling for 48 straight hours. Ding dong. It sounds like he's gone. I am so <laughs> excited. I mean, if he's really gone, I, there will be a parade on Constitution Avenue, and I will 100% be in attendance. I mean, it'll be more attended than, like, the inauguration. It'll you, Just wait. It'll be incredible. Um, and then as far as this game goes, yeah, I think probably the Vikings are able to cover this. Um, I, I do believe in do theory though. They are six and one and it's just like, are they ever going to lose again? I, I tend to think that yes, eventually they will. Um, and they've been playing a lot of close games. Um, they haven't really been smoking teams like they, you know, we would expect them to, especially how they, what they did to green Bay. Um, and then, you know, we have chase young 
back practicing. He's probably not going to be playing in this game, but you know, the just, just things are kind of looking up and we're coming, we're on a three game winning streak ourselves. Taylor just finds ways to win. I mean, he's, he's got more moxie and he's grittier than 99% of the quarterbacks he goes against, but he's not better than them. It's so funny. Um, but yeah, I, I'd probably go Lions three here, but not Lions. Vikings Vikings. minus three here, but, um, I wouldn't be shocked if we just find some way to pull this out of our ass, honestly. I'll say this might be one of the few times we disagree because I actually like the commanders on the spread here. I think the matchup (laughs) is actually somewhat beneficial. I think, you know, the news about Dan Snyder potentially selling the team, I do think that gives this team a boost. I don't think they very much like him. I think there is a, a bit of a theory of like, let's push, let's show out. Um, in this game, Young getting back in the locker room. Yeah, he's not going to play this week, but I think that helps boost morale. Like, hey, we're getting this guy back. We're trending in the right direction. I mean, if the commanders from a pressure sense defensively, this was a defense that we were very hard on. And, it, you know, yeah. things were being said that it felt like there could be a mutiny on that defense. But they've come along. They're getting better pressure. And we've seen Kirk Cousins. One area he can struggle in is if he's feeling a lot of pressure. And the Vikings have been pretty pitiful in that st- in that area. I think they're giving up the second most pressure per drop back at this point or per, per passing attempt at this point. Um, so that is, let's see where they, are. Oh, sorry. Fifth. I have them as fifth, not second. I apologize. That is, that is better. Three, three spots better. <laughs> fifth most, <laughs> they're seeing the fifth most pressure per drop back. I think that's a factor. And then when you flip the side of the ball, I do think the Vikings are, they play soft boxes. You're able Mm -hmm. to run against them. They play more of a too high safety look. Taylor's done pretty decent. You know, last year there wasn't a dramatic difference from my recollection between man versus zone and and too high safety looks. So I just, there's something about this team and the fact that Taylor, there's something about him that has the team believing they can win every game. Like he just comes in and gives an energy boost, a fuck it mentality. He, and just injects this team with positivity, I think. And so I do kind of like him this spot to cover. I don't know if they'll get the outright win, but at three, at minimum, it's a push, I think. So I, I do like the commanders here. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate it. One thing that just kind of makes me laugh, I can't believe Patrick Peterson is still in the league, still getting playing time. God bless him. It's incredible. But Terry should carve him up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, should, he should eat him alive. Um, so, you know, I, I like that matchup. And like you said, they, they give up a lot of yards on defense. So, I mean, I think there's potential there where we take it, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's a game I'm willing to put some money on. Like I said, I don't know if they'll win it, but at three, I, I, I feel like at least I'm getting my money back on a push. So yeah. I, I'm willing to take that. All right. Now my second favorite team to talk about outside of my own. The Cincinnati Bengals will be taking on the Carolina Panthers. They are a seven-point favorite over under 42-and-a-half. And once again, the Cleveland Browns just seem to have this team's number. And once again, we have a game that is a prime example as to why Zach Taylor should not be calling plays. I don't know how many weeks we have to say this until he finally gets it. But what we saw unfold on Halloween night was absolutely pitiful. You knew you were going to be without Jamar Chase, and that offense did not seem to have adjusted at all to a post-Jamar Chase era for the six weeks, four weeks he's going to be out because this offense relies so heavily on guys just winning one-on-one matchups, primarily Chase, and if he's not involved, they have zero spark to them. There was no running effort. It was just a pitiful 
example. And if this team wants to go anywhere, Zach Taylor needs to suck up his pride and take a page out of Nick Sirianni's book because look at what the Eagles have done since he's given up play calling. This team is firing on all cylinders. This team is working well on offense. I believe the Bengals could have a very similar effect. It's not a fix-all cure. I don't think giving up play calling all of a sudden fixes all the Bengals' ailments because the offensive line's been a disaster and hasn't been playing as well. The wide receivers, I mean, Higgins really should have stepped up and won some individual one-on-one coverages, and he just yeah. wasn't. So there's there's plenty of problems and 20, plenty of blame to go around. Joe Burrow has struggled at times, but it, it's just so apparent that the Zach Taylor era of play calling should have been long and dead and gone. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that, and unfortunately, our our um, our third our third quarter nugget did not look good. No, <laughs> first time this season, and it just. <laughs> yeah, so I hid under the blankets in fear on that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not your fault, but yeah, it didn't it didn't look good. Um, it was ugly. Zach Taylor just you've you've said it pretty good. You've been on it for I mean. For a year and a half at least. Um, yeah. So yeah, in this game here, I, I think it's one of those games, I feel like I say this a lot, it's a game where I think the Bengals are going to win, but I don't think they're going to cover. Um, Panthers played well last week, and P.J. Walker, man, he's, he's not bad. He's figuring it out. And, I mean, that bombed D.J. Moore. That ball was in the air for a mile long. <laughs> I mean, no. Unbelievable. Could not believe what my eyes were seeing. Unreal. So, I mean, you know, obviously I don't think the Panthers are a very good team, but uh, what are they? They're like two and five or whatever. Yeah. I don't even know. But really, really they're three and four because that should be a W. Um, yep. DJ Moore's just, DJ Moore's just a donkey and took his helmet off. But, um, but yeah, I'd probably go with Panthers here um, just to cover. It's a pretty, it's a pretty big spread. Um, but I do think the Bengals will probably win this game. That's just kind of my take on it. That play was so incredible. I watch every game on the consolidated feed each week. Mm-hmm. I immediately fast forward to the end just to start that game off so I could get psyched because the first half was a little brutal to get through. But like just knowing what's coming down the pipeline, my God, that was Patrick Mahomes said it best throw of the year right now. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was a bomb. <laughs> I love PJ Walker. Not that I think he'll he's a, a you know full season starting quarterback, but it feels like every time he gets an opportunity, he just produces some fun ass moments, and he has a couple game stretch where he just plays phenomenal football and brings an energy and electricity to it. And this is a spot where that could certainly happen. Awuzie is a big loss for this Bengals secondary that is yeah. already banged up with Eli Apple banged up. Now Awuzie is out for the season. Most likely, I don't know if it's been confirmed. I forgot to check before recruiting, but or recording, but it it was trending extremely like he was going to be out for the season. Enormous loss for that secondary. Yeah. Um. And so this is an opportunity. DJ Moore's been playing better. Um. This offense has been playing better. It doesn't have a ton of pieces, but yeah, I think it's a game the Bengals win. They really should dominate, but they have shown zero abilities to dominate. And the biggest thing is, we saw a game last week against a Browns team that going into it, you had to know from a pass rush standpoint, you were going to be overpowered as the Bengals. And they didn't feel like they tried to do anything really to mitigate that. Well, now you're going against a Panthers defensive line. That's pretty good at generating passing or passing, uh, rushing pass rushing. Jeez, I can't speak today. Um, and so that is a big concern in this one. 
Yeah. Um, just real quick, do you believe the reports that Carolina didn't accept two first rounders for Brian Burns? Because I, 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 why not? <laughs> I, I, I've got to imagine there's something wrong there. Like, there's no way. He's a phenomenal pass rusher, but you're giving me that 100%. <laughs> yeah, I would take that. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Burns, he's good at what he does, but he has one speed, and it is pass rushing. That's about it. He doesn't offer yeah. a ton else so you don't like you don't see multiple first rounders unless like it's for a quarterback yeah so, uh, <laughs> and for a team that doesn't have a lot of picks or doesn't have a lot of uh or sorry doesn't have a lot of talent not picks right. doesn't have a lot yeah. of talent you'd be like yeah this is an opportunity for us to just upgrade here <laughs> yeah yeah i'd be pretty annoyed as a fan if that's accurate yes same um all right chargers falcons line set at three over under 49 and a half and there is one media member who is just dead set on making sure we can never stop talking about Justin Herbert and Tua comparisons. And that man is just so blind in his tunnel vision because from day one, he said Justin Herbert was a terrible draft pick and would be terrible, that he could not see the pure greatness in front of him, but the context in which why Herbert is struggling this is a game where I think, even though Keenan Allen just seems like he's not going to play football this season, Never. the Chargers' offense could start to get back on track potentially here. Yeah, I would think so. I think, you know, Herbert should be able to throw it all over the field a good bit. He still does have some decent options out there without Keenan Allen. I don't know what's going on with Keenan Allen. I don't know why he can't get on the field. This is partial fantasy bitterness coming from me because he's just <laughs> sitting on my bench. I'm like, can you put him on IR if he's not going to play so I can put him in my IR, my IR spot? But anyways, um, yeah, I think this will be probably a good get-back game for the Chargers here. I mean, obviously, we've seen Austin Eckler is just destroying the league right now. I, it's one of the most ridiculous things I've seen. Um, so, yeah, I, I like them to probably be able to cover here. Falcons, I, I think they're a good team. They fight. They play hard. They need a lot of things to go right for them in order to win. Um, and the Chargers. Chargers, a lot of things do tend to go wrong, so maybe they will be able to pull it off. But I'm going with LA here. I'm leaning towards that, that minus three. That is very, very true. Um, the man who should not be mentioned, because I'm not trying to give him any more clout, but the one who is driving this debate, the funniest thing, because you mentioned the Eckler thing, the funniest thing in his, like, just charge to prove Justin Herbert is just forcing terrible balls and he should be checking down more, even though, like, that's the exact opposite. The argument is probably he should be more aggressive because he's actually yeah. not very aggressive. He drew up a play. He pulled a play for when he took a pick, and the play was third down, third and long, and the play call was two curl routes and two backs going to the sideline. Neither back was Eckler. <laughs> like, it's like... Nice. Yeah, great play. Like, no recognition to, like, Joe Lombardi calling the worst third and long play I've ever seen in my life. But also, like, and then he was like, he should check down to the far side back and not his close back, who was way more. It's like the whole breakdown, I'll throw a clip up, is just terrible. And it's hilarious that it's like, you can't even pull up a good example to help your argument here. Um, yeah. But yeah, Joe or Herbert's playing with just jello ribs, too, at this point. Um, yeah. The one exercise I, I will say, and I also hate this because it feels like the debate we're getting into and it's a little hot takey. It's like, we're, we're tearing down one quarterback to promote the other. I like Tua. Tua is playing really well this season. He's doing great. He's doing better than expected miracles. When you support a quarterback and you get an offensive minded coach and you give him assets, what he might be able to do. But the exercise I love running is like, 
do we not think that Dolphins offense would be even more potent if Justin Herbert was in it with that coaching yeah. staff and those right. assets? Like, nothing against Tua. He's great. But I'm just like, Herbert is yeah. the better option here. <laughs> Come on. Let, let's be honest. Let's not get silly. Um, yeah. All right. That was just my personal vendetta. Raiders, Jags, line is set at one and a half over under 47 and a half. And Carr might be the only quarterback that got actively worse when getting an elite wide receiver weapon. We have seen so many quarterbacks get elite wide receiver weapons and their stock has done nothing but go up. But Carr has arguably gotten worse after getting an elite wide receiver weapon. Yeah, I would agree. I don't know what the hell is going on there <laughs> in uh, Vegas. I mean, zero points. A lot of the conspiracy theories around Bill Belichick are insane, but I'm starting to believe that Josh McDaniels is a sleeper cell. Like he was just sent out to just ruin that franchise for some weird personal (laughs) vendetta Bill Belichick has. And he's going to be coming back into the family organization within the year because nothing makes sense with what's going on in Raiders land. None, none at all. Um, I'm kind of to the point where it's like, I can't bet on this team. I mean, (laughs) And Jacksonville, obviously, you know, they have, they have their own issues. Wasn't there a time when you would have a, um, a London game and then everyone would get a bye after London? I just don't do that anymore. Um, whatever. That is absolutely wild to think about. They just had to travel yeah. back from London and they're playing a game this week. Yeah, there was definitely a time where you'd always get a bye after London. But um, I guess Jacksonville's so used to going over to London and just, they're fine with it. Um, this is a terrible game, but yeah, give me Jacksonville just because right now I cannot bet on the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, it's 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 not good. Um, they are. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They have had the eighth least amount of play action attempts so far this season. You have Josh Jacobs. Teams are respecting the run. Why are we not running more play action right now? Like, that feels like a very simple, logical way to maybe start to open up this offense a little bit because Josh Jacobs is having himself a hell of a season. Defenses have to respect him. And therefore, I'm not not saying I'm an offensive genius or I could be this genius offensive coordinator, but it feels a little weird when you have such a potent running back that you're a bottom 10 team in play action. Like, what are we doing? pretty bad yeah like I just I don't understand it so yeah more and more I'm thinking man this team because I watched that game I watched it back Derek Carr is not playing great um he missed a lot of throws I mean there was a throw where would have set him up for a nice touchdown to Devontae Adams or wasn't Devontae Adams it was another play he just whiffed on it he wasn't playing very good but there are weapons you know Waller is is banged up right now but you've got Devontae Adams Hunter Renfro is a nice little piece. Josh Jacobs is really good. Like, there are weapons on this team. The offensive line is trash, and that's why I took the under their win total this season, which is looking like a great bet. But to be as bad as they are, it's just, it makes, it it boggles the mind. Um, I'm staying away from this game because I won't bet on the Raiders, and to your brilliant point, the Jags have to be incredibly jet-lagged. And just, (laughs) I just, I I can't imagine that's going to be a good game. So I'm just going to stay away from it entirely. Yeah. All right. Battle of the Birds. Seahawks Cardinals. Line is set at two. Cardinals are the favorite. Over under 49 and a half. And Pete Carroll is having the divorce we thought Bill Belichick was going to have. Because my man, has that offense unlocked itself after Russell Wilson has left? This is so what many people thought was going to happen in Pat's land. Tom Brady would leave and he would be worse off than Bill Belichick would be. And the direct opposite has happened. Yeah. 
Pete Carroll's having himself a hell of a time post uh, Russell Wilson divorce. It's it's going well for him. Yeah, it's going really well. I mean, I know Brian Dayball has got to be the leading candidate for head coach of the year, I would assume. Oh, but yeah. Pete Carroll, uh, we might need to start paying attention over there what's going on because no one expected this at all. I mean, we basically, I thought this team would be fully looking for, you know, its next quarterback in this upcoming draft because they just won three games. Yep. Uh, doesn't look like that's going to happen there. And I just think they're the more complete team right now than Arizona. I think they're just, they're more cohesive. There's less tension on this team than I think is going on in Arizona. So um, this is a game where you're going to give me plus money on the money line. I am going Seahawks uh, just outright winner. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, we, we talk about it all the time on this show. The Cardinals are not a team that gets better with age. They are not a fine wine, all right? They get worse as the season progresses. Now, getting Hopkins back has been a huge net benefit, um, but this is a team that doesn't adapt well, doesn't continue to play well. New call of duty's out, so Kyler's probably not studying. Um, the Seahawks are back. And I very much like the Pete Carroll is getting sort of his roses again because this is a guy who has gotten clowned and dragged for a a play call that was terrible, and honestly, I'm starting to maybe believe once again in another conspiracy that that was all Russell wanting his his due. Yep. Uh, it feels fair because I've been a big Pete Carroll supporter. This is a man I don't feel like we talk about it enough, but he's done it at a high level at both levels, college football and the NFL. You don't really see what he's done from a winning perspective in both fields. And I don't feel like we talk about that enough in the sports industry. So I'm glad we're starting to get back on the Pete Carroll train. I think he's a fantastic coach. It's fun when he's good. He's the youngest looking old person I've ever seen in my life. Um, it's just, it's all roses for him. And that's an organization that runs so damn well. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm taking the birds here in the Seahawks. And we're going on that run. All right. God, my Rams, or not my Rams, my Bucks playing the Rams. This This game... The fact that the Bucks have been a favorite in every game so far this season is just making my stomach turn upside down. They are the favorite here. The line is three, over under 42.5. I do have some hope in this game because the Rams' offensive line has been absolutely terrible, um, yep. and this allows for a team in the Bucks who has been definitely downgraded from years past in their ability to, to generate pressure, but I do think they'll have a spot here, which we'll need because the secondary is all banged up. Do the Rams and Sean McVay, who has gotten the better of this Bucks defense in their previous matchups generally, have enough here to beat a Bucks team that is feels like they're starting to get to the make or break point where like they really need to win this game to hopefully project them further in an NFC picture that is is a mess right now. Yeah, I mean it's very much a mess. I it cracks me up that my commanders are ahead of both these teams. <laughs> Because that's just, I would never expected that. Um, yeah, I mean, both of these teams need a win like none other. Um, both of these teams are just messes right now. Devin White's just doing whatever the hell he wants on the field, apparently. Oh, my God. Which is just a shame because he has so much talent. He's so athletic and he's just a complete freak, but he's just, he's just freelancing, doing whatever he wants. Yep. Um, <laughs> that's not good. Um, and then just, as you know, I think I said, I sound like an idiot now, but I want to say I said it probably week two that I was very excited in, you know, thinking that Julio Jones is going to get, you know, very involved within this Tampa Bay offense. That has not happened. Nope. Um, really, no one's involved in Tampa Bay offense, unfortunately. Nope. Um, Put their pictures and, on a milk cart and they haven't showed up yet. Yeah, I mean, they really haven't. Um, you could pretty much say the same thing about the Rams with the exception of obviously Cooper Cup. Um 
This is a tough one. I think I see this being real close. I, I think the Bucks can probably squeak it out, but I'd probably go Rams on the, the the plus three there. Yeah, this feels like a must win for the Bucks because the NFC picture is a disaster. The NFC South mm-hmm. is very winnable. It's not like their season is by any stretch of the imagination over. And yeah. I do like that. It seems like last week, especially we started to be more aggressive on first down and we started to pass more. And we started to trend. We're starting to trend more towards last year's first down efficiency metrics, which is good because when this team gets to third and long, which they have been put in way too many times, yeah. I am not being over dramatic when I think this might be the worst third down offense I have ever seen in my life. It is god awful, especially third and five or above. It's terrible. Um, yeah. So being more aggressive on first down, letting Tom throw more in first down is not a, a total fix, but I do think it helps for this offense to start to get going more. And honestly, this gets put a lot more on Byron Leftwich. I've had this oh, yeah. theory for a while now this season because I don't think it takes a rocket science to figure this out, but Tom's personal life has been a disaster. He looks personally terrible in his press conferences and week to weeks, and it, it seems to be taking a toll. And it's only natural to think that because of the issues he's had in his personal life, because of all that strain and the things he's had to be doing with his family and taking more of a step back, he is not as involved in the day-to-day game planning for that week's game. And more responsibility falls on Brian Leftwich's plate. And so far, he has not been up to the task. Now, let's see as the season goes on, now that the divorce is finalized, you know, that still sucks and Tom's dealing with a ton and this period of time in his life is going to be very hectic. But I need Brian Leftwich to step up here. And I need Tom Brady to maybe put a little bit more effort into, hey, let's start to make this offense a little bit more efficient like we saw last year. More two tight end sets, more play action, more pre-snap motion, more throwing on first down, and then I think we can start to see Julio utilize better and this offense start to run. That's what I'm hoping is happening here. If that happens this game, I think we cover this number. If that doesn't, this is going to be a slugfest, and it's going to be tough on the eyes, but I'm still going to back my bucks. The pirate ship is the pirate ship from hell is slowly pushing through the fog, and we will be arriving at the playoffs as a strong team. I say that now, and I'll probably want to drink a bottle of of whiskey <laughs> after this game, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. All righty, Sunday night. This line has also ballooned up. Titans, Chiefs, twelve and a half is the number. Chiefs are favored over under forty four and a half. Out of all the franchises in the NFL, the Titans seem to have had the best success against the Chiefs, surprisingly or not. But can that continue this week? Because they are coming in with a banged-up, messy quarterback position right now with Tannehill having a really bad ankle sprain. Immobility, if he goes, is going to be a factor there. Willis, who really isn't all that great just yet, not a really refined passer. A lot of raw talent, but we'll see. Against the Chiefs defense that is slowly and quietly getting better and better week for week and seems to be revving up right when the time is right. Yeah, the Chiefs defense kind of seems to do this. I think they did the same thing last year. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, and like you said, Titans coming in. Who knows really who's going to play a quarterback? Malik Wills threw 10 passes last week, Nate. He threw 10 passes. <laughs> he threw for like 52 yards. So. Uh, I mean, really, uh, this is such a big spread. It's almost like, do you lock it in now, or is it just going to get even bigger? Um, I just don't see the Titans' ability to score enough points to really cover a spread like this. Um, they 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 win a lot of games like you know, 
17, 10, 20, 10, 19, 10, stuff like that. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to pull this off here. Um, but it's also such a big spread that it's like I, one of those spreads I'll probably stay away from. I'd probably lean a little bit towards the over here because I do think the Titans will score a little bit. And obviously the Chiefs are going to score. So I, I do like the over. Um, and then I'll just lean Chiefs on that spread. But that's probably one that I would stay away from. Yeah, I actually did end up grabbing it just because I do think it's going to go higher and I'm trying to get some closing value here, but I don't hate staying away from this. I think the part that was breaking for me is the fact that Tannehill seems to be suggesting he's going to try to give it a go. And this Titans offense is allowing the second most pressure per drop back against the Chiefs defense that's starting to get after it. And I think the recipe for this Chiefs defense in Spagnuolo has been very good. It's very simple load the box, make them beat us through the air. And so I think that's going to eliminate Derrick Henry's ability here a lot. If Ryan Tannehill goes, he's not very mobile. He's going to be a statue back there. If Malik goes, then it becomes even easier. Like, hey, you have to beat us with your arm. And then when we look at the other side, the Chiefs have now fully mutated to be able to beat every defense you throw at them. We saw them in years past struggle with a too high safety look. They've now figured it out. And they are the most dangerous lethal offense outside of the Bills because no matter what you throw at them, they now seem to have an answer for it. So I just, I don't think the Titans have the players and the dudes on defense to to force enough here. And so I did lock this in just because I do think this is going to go higher. So I did bet it, but it's a game where as, you know, our listeners, I, I wouldn't necessarily be running to the to the ticket window to try to try to bet this necessarily. Right, yep. Monday night, Raven Saints. Uh, two and a half is the spread. Over under 47 and a half is the total. And I have to say, I think we have officially now seen the last of Jameis Winston as a starter because it does feel like it is the Andy Dalton show. Um, he yeah. is just the more consistent quarterback in this Saints team because their defense has not been as good as what I think many of us thought they were going to be this season. They're, they're fine, right. but they haven't been great. You need a quarterback who isn't going to turn over the ball a ton. And then you got the Ravens on their side that just got off a win against the Bucs. They seem to be gaining confidence. How do you make this game in, in a spread that is still under a field goal right now? Yeah, this, like you just said there, under a field goal, if you're feeling the Ravens here, I would lock this in pretty much like now because yeah. I can totally see this jump into three, obviously. Um, and, you know, the Ravens, I mean, the Saints, obviously they're coming off of – Big win against Vegas. That was after losing five, five of their last six, I think. Um, you know, and then what do you know? You get Alvin Kamara involved. Wow, we win. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which, I, I, if I remember correctly, you did mention for a couple yeah. weeks now. Might be a key ingredient there. <laughs> Give the ball to Alvin Kamara. He's been the best fantasy player over the last five years. I know everyone wants to see Derek Henry. No, that's four years. Go back five to <laughs> Alvin Kamara. Um, yeah, yeah. So you get him involved, you know, things change. But yeah, here I just think. The Ravens, they're humming a little bit right now. Um, I would take them here. I would take them at two and a half. I'm probably going to lock this in as soon as we're done here because I just think that thing's going to three. I agree. I think, and also because of Rokon Smith's you know, skill set, he's going to be able to step in right away and kind of play, even though he maybe doesn't know all the plays yet in the playbook fully from a defensive standpoint. He, what his skill set offers, they're going to be able to inject him. That's a big win. Lamar Jackson seems to be getting back to the basics. I don't know if that was a health thing. There was rumors of some lingering injuries, but he seems to be kind of getting back to the basics for himself. 
And yeah, I, I agree. I think the Ravens under a field goal are the side here. I just I don't have enough. I have to see more out of the Saints consistency wise to start to to bet them. I also forgot to mention it seems like Michael Thomas is now done for the season, and I don't know if we'll ever see him in a Saints jersey again. And the talent in this career he could have had, when you think back on it, whew, missed opportunity it feels like there. Just nothing he could handle. It's amazing, like when really, really good players they just boom, it's like they're gone. Yeah. Completely oh, wow. gone. All due to injuries, which sucks, yeah. but like, yeah. I don't know if we'll ever see him again, to be honest. I don't really either. It was just like, man, he was really good for a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> when you look back at those seasons, when he pulled full seasons, whew, he was averaging yeah. like 12 yards reception. <laughs> it was like yeah. just burning. A million, a million passes. Yeah. Million passes, million yards. He was averaging yeah. like a first down per reception. It's like, oh, yeah. it was an insane lethal weapon. Um, yeah, so awesome. that is sad. All right. Anything else before we uh, wrap this up? Nothing really. Just lock Dan Snyder up. There we go. I like it. You know, that's just another. We're going to continue the good vibes. We're going to lock that in as my bet of the week. That's what we're going to say right here. Bet of the week commanders right there. Oh, wow. I'm going to say mine is Ravens. I like that. (laughs) That's a good one. Should (laughs) have gone with that, but we got excited for the good vibes. We're sending good juju out to the Washington, D.C. fans. I love it. Yeah. So that's what we're going with. All right. Yeah, God, yeah, God, what, what a change that will be if that that franchise can finally get a decent owner. Oh, oh my God, yeah, such a breath of fresh air. Yeah, be nice, be nice for the league too. Yeah, all right, all righty, that'll do us for this week. And as always, peace. Hey.